I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. Everything turns on the turn. If this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. Recently, we started back at Friends University. I started teaching my classes. And in one of my classes, which is an upper classman course where juniors and seniors are in the course, and we have really good discussions. In fact, most of the time, we can just have great discussions. We read books together. It's not a lot of lecturing. In the upper class course, it's more like, let's, let's talk together. And the other day, I said something in one of our class sessions, and it just it kind of came out of the blue. It wasn't in my notes. I didn't plan it. But I asked them this question. I said, okay, imagine if you were God. What would you most want for your life? It turned out to be a pretty profound question, and it allowed the students to begin thinking about, well, what does God want most for my life? And you can come up with a lot of answers. You can say, well, maybe God wants me to give all my money away. Maybe God wants me to, you know, to the poor. Maybe God wants me to become a missionary. Maybe God wants me to, you can fill in the blank. I was thinking that maybe the reason that that question came to mind is because I've been living with Romans 12, one through three for quite a while. It's just, I love this passage. I've memorized it. I've thought a lot about it. But in that passage, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And that little phrase there, holy and acceptable to God. Paul's saying, this is what's holy to God. Like, this is the thing. Something has to be holy to draw near to God. So that thing that is holy, that God looks and says, that is holy to me or acceptable to me. What is it? that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So one quick answer might be to to the question, what does God want most for my life, is that I would be a living sacrifice. But if you noticed when I read Romans 12.1, Paul begins with, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, and I often remind my students, when you come across the word therefore in the Bible, always ask, what's the therefore, therefore? It's always there for a reason. Paul's never going to just say therefore and not, it just doesn't mean anything. It's not wasted words, wasted air. He says therefore because he's connecting two ideas. In other words, he's taking what he's already said previously and then says, and therefore, then here's the next idea. So in Romans 12.1, when Paul says the word therefore, he's saying, Everything that came before this, you have to understand this, 
And if you understand that, then therefore, what he has to say, which is, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what has Paul said? I mean, what's the therefore, therefore? Because throughout the letter to the Romans, throughout this epistle to the church at Rome, Paul has been teaching them fundamental, incredibly important truths about Jesus and about who they are. And if I were to summarize everything Paul said in Romans from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11, right up to chapter 12, I would say this. Paul's been saying to them throughout this epistle, you're a whole new being. Your old life is dead and gone. That's Romans 6.3. You've risen to new life in Christ. That's Romans 6.4. And you're no longer under the power of sin. That's Romans 6.6. So, who are you? Well, I say this a lot in this podcast. You are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. That's who you are. You're a whole new being, risen with Christ, no longer under the law of the power of sin. Here comes the therefore. Therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Become a living sacrifice to God. Well, okay, here's the problem, though. As Chuck Swindoll once said, I thought this was a pretty funny joke. Chuck Swindoll once said, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps wanting to crawl off the altar. That's, the, that's spot on. Okay? Like if you, if you say, oh, I'm going to present my, myself as a living sacrifice, it's like, well, can I just get off the altar here? Because I'm not sure I'm ready to be sacrificed. That's the challenge. But Paul is calling us a living sacrifice. He's not saying we actually die. We're a living sacrifice. What does that mean to be a living sacrifice? Well, it means something is going to be sacrificed. Something, some part of us, is going to have to die. Paul would also use the word mortify in the King James. We're going to put something to death that is within us. The best way to understand that part of us that has to be sacrificed comes from a Latin phrase. And that phrase is incurvatus in se. If you listen to the interview I had with Ann Voskamp, we talked about this phrase. It's a Latin phrase that was used by St. Augustine, by Martin Luther, by Karl Barth, by C.S. Lewis, four of my favorites, right? So when, when these four guys all talk about incurvatus in se, this Latin phrase, boy, it must be important because they all, in different times and places, all said, no, this is a fundamental idea. So what does incurvatus in se mean? Well, you just look at the Latin and it kind of makes sense in English. Incurve. Incurvatus means to curve in. And then in se means oneself. So it's to curve in on yourself. Incurvatus in se is our tendency to rely on self-sufficiency, self-protection, self-comfort, and self-interest. And we all know what that is like. When life gets hard, when we face our challenges, there's that tendency to curve in. And in her book, Waymaker, and I'm going to quote a bunch from Waymaker, Ann Voskamp explains this so beautifully. She's so honest, and I really appreciate how she writes about it. This is what she says. My heart takes the way of incurvatus in se, this curving in towards self, self self-sufficiency, self-protection, 
self-comfort, self-interest. It's the bent way of being human. We're wired for attachment, for dependence on God, but our inclination toward incurvatus in se turns the direction of our dependence toward destructive things, and our attachments go awry. Oh, she's really got it there. The direction of our dependence. So life's challenges come, and we're faced with three different choices. And this is how I would put them. So think about a time when you've had some disappointment, some frustration, some anger. Things aren't going well. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe there's an ache. We have three choices. The first is to turn to blank, to soothe it. We turn to something to soothe it. That's the first choice that we can make. The second is to turn to ourselves to fix it. And the third is to turn to God to release it. And I love what Anne says when she says, everything turns on the turn. Everything turns on the turn. Do we turn to something to soothe it? Do we turn to ourselves to fix it? Or we turn to God to release it? Everything turns on the turn. That's what's so crucial. So let's go a little bit deeper in all three of those, because they're ones I imagine you're relating to this as I do. I'm going to get in your kitchen now, though. I'm gonna, or I'm going to let Anne get in your kitchen. She's going to get really specific here in the way she describes all three of these ways we turn. So let's first look at the turn to soothe. Here's what she writes. Name your pain. Name the way you try to make the pain go away. And you name your default direction. Name the way you turn for comfort. A glass, a screen, a plate, a sweet, a drug, a page, a voice, a click, a hit, a rush, a bottle. Go ahead and name what you curve to, to comfort your ache, and you name your Egypt that looks like ease. What a great break. You name your Egypt that looks like ease. She's referring there to the people of Israel because when they were led out of captivity, out of bondage and slavery, they're going through the desert and it got hard. And they murmured to Moses, Moses, let's go back. And Moses like, well, we were enslaved. This is not, yeah, but yeah, but it was easier. And what Anne is saying is, that's the easy way. When we're faced with life's challenges, the easiest way out is to turn to something to soothe it. A glass, a screen, a plate, a sweet, a drug. She names a bunch, right? She gets right in our kitchen and says, this is where we go. That's incurvatus in se. We curve in. In this case, we look for something to soothe it. The second thing that we do, maybe we don't go there. Maybe we don't go towards the soothe. Maybe we say, Okay, I don't like what's happening here. This is frustrating. It's challenging. I'm going to turn to myself to fix it. And Anne's the type of person, as am I, that I'm used to saying, well, I'm type A. I'm going to get after this. I'm going to fix it. And she describes what that looks like. She writes, I thought what mattered was forward, always forward. If life gets hard, if your health tanks, if love feels like it up and ran off, if the tax man's hunting you down and the dog puked on the carpet and you've broken your leg and the whole bottom falls out of things, I would always say, forward, just keep pressing forward. 
but forward doesn't get you where you want to go if your road's curved inward. If your heart's curved inward, moving forward is going wayward. Ah, oh, that's good. If your heart's curved in, you think, oh, I'm moving forward. No, you're actually moving wayward because you're trusting in yourself. You're probably going to make a mess. That's what happens to me. When I think, oh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to, I'm going to solve this thing by my own cleverness, my own wit, my own whatever resources. I often make it worse. I think I'm moving forward. I'm really going wayward. So we turn to blank to sue that we turn to self to fix it. But the right way, Anne says, is to turn toward God. That's an act of cruciformity, an act of dying to self. It's to present ourselves as living sacrifices. It's the opposite of incurvatus in say. Here's what she writes, again in the book Waymaker. Incurvatus in say may say the way out of your heartbreak is to simply curve inward. But the way out of pain is to reach out, cruciform. The only way through is to find the curve and the bend of our own hearts and come and bend the knee to a realer and better love. Cruciform is always the healing trajectory of intimacy. Oh, that's a good sentence. i got to read that again. Cruciform is always the healing trajectory of intimacy. There's no way for transformation without cruciformation, without surrendering the form of what is to the form of Christ. That's the right way. Life's challenges come. The emptiness, the loneliness, the ache, the fear, the anxiety, those things hit us. Oh, no, I'm going to turn to something to soothe it. No, I'm going to try to fix it. No. Cruciform. Incurvatus and say bends in. It curves us in. But cruciform, that's where we go out. But we don't just go out of our own strength and power. We can make that move when we know who we are and who God is. That's why, just as Paul said, therefore... Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What's the therefore there for? Remember who you are. I say all the time on this podcast, you are one in whom Christ dwells in the lights. You are divinely designed, deeply desired, lavishly loved, fully forgiven. You are a sacred story of grace, an unceasing spiritual being who lives forever, eternally in the kingdom of God, an unceasing being. That's who you are, loved by God. Again, I got to quote Anne. She has... This sentence from Waymaker that I just absolutely love when she talks about God. Listen to this. The triune God isn't disappointed in you, isn't rebuking you, isn't rejecting you. But the triune God delights in you, smiles over you, seeks to be with you, revives you with his kiss of grace, and can't stop singing love songs because of you. Oh, that's so good. Who are you? One in whom Christ dwells in the lights, an unceasing spiritual being, divinely designed, deeply desired. Who's God? God is singing over you. So in light of that, who you are and who God is, therefore, what? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Take your life and, and live it cruciform. Back to my question to my students. What does God most want from your life, for your life? To be with you, intimacy with you, 
And the only way that's going to happen is if we refuse to go in curvatus and say, and instead turn out to God. That's what sacrifice means. It's to draw near to God. In fact, the Hebrew word for sacrifice is korban. And korban means two things. It means sacrifice, but it also means to draw near. Because when we let go of something, when we don't turn to the pill, the bottle, the thing, the screen, whatever to soothe, when we don't do that, we sacrifice that. When we don't try to fix it ourselves, when we turn to God, we draw near. That's what God's waiting for. One last quote from Waymaker, Anne says this, Sacrifice is not losing something, but moving to someone. Sacrifice isn't about loss. Sacrifice is about love. Surrender to love. Sacrifice is about detaching from one thing to attach to a greater thing. Surrender to love. So good. It's not losing something. It's drawing near to someone. Everything turns on the turn. Well, how do you practice this? Is this something you just do one time? For me, it's something I do all the time. I have a practice that I do consistently. I do it, in fact, most mornings. It consists of three parts. Sometimes I can do it in about three minutes. Sometimes it takes five or ten or more. But I get into a quiet place, and I have these three sentences that I finish. And I fill in the blanks. The first one is this. I will let go of dot, dot, dot. I will let go of what? I'll ask, you know, what am I carrying today? What's troubling me? What am I afraid of? Am I anxious about something? What's on my heart? And I'll think of it and I'll let something bubble up and it'll come to mind. It might be, oh, I'm worried about this situation at work. Oh, I'm worried about this person and how they're doing with this. Maybe I'm frustrated with that. Whatever it is, it bubbles up. And then I say, you know what? I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to let go. I'm going to turn that over to you, God. And I spend a few minutes just saying, here's this thing. I've named it. I will let go of. That's a part of the sacrifice. That's the korban. I'm giving it out to God. The second sentence that I finish is, I am grateful for. And then I name the blessings in my life. We talk about this a lot. It's counting your blessings. It's your gratitude journal. I, I write out a bunch of things that I'm, I'm just grateful for this. Now, why is this practice a part of this? Why, or why is this question a part of this practice? Because it sets the context. Because I may think, oh, it's really important is this thing that I'm worrying about, this thing that I'm... No, wait, let's look at the bigger picture. There's way more blessings than there are problems in my life. If I, if I just let it go, just really let my mind go to all the blessings in my life, family, job, health, my dogs, whatever it is, the birds singing in my backyard. There's so many things to be give thanks for. Ice cream, for heaven's coffee, <laughs> so many things. So I name those. And then the third thing is, I, I finish the sentence. Today I will focus on, and that's when I think about what's on my agenda today. I'll even look at my calendar. I'll say, okay, oh, I've got this to meeting today. I'm going to be with that person today. I've got this project to finish, whatever. And then I ask, like, well, how can I live fully into it? How can I savor that experience? How can I bring Christ into what I'm doing today? Or as Ann Boskett might say, how can I live cruciform in this? I'll ask myself that. 
How can I curve out toward God? How can I curve out towards others to bless them? That little practice is huge. It's an incredible blessing in my life. I've been doing it for, I don't know, almost a year now. And I just, I love doing it. To me, it's a way to live into Romans 12.1, a way to, to turn, right? Everything turns on the turn. Don't curve in. Don't turn in. Turn out to God. That leads to a life that is holy and acceptable to God. I would encourage you to do this practice yourself. And in fact, if you're interested in doing that, you can go online to apprenticeinstitute.org, and we'll have a link there where you can link to a page that has these three questions on it. I'll let go of, I'm grateful for, I'll focus on, and some of those sub-questions that I ask. I'd, I'd encourage you to do that. Do that for maybe a week, maybe maybe 30 days. Just do that practice and let God into the things in your life and give thanks for all that God's done. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.